Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 485th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who created a full circle food system that connects her family and community. We're talking with Jolene Cutie about abundant holistic harvests. Chiropractic physician and health educator, Dr. Jolene Cutie, built an idyllic urban sustainable farm as a role model for her patients and her family. Her home and on-site chiropractic office is surrounded by 800 square feet of raised organic vegetable gardens and over 20 urban farm fruit trees. They live, work, and play on a half acre in the city where their five children swing beside seedlings and are surrounded by fresh growing fruit. They eat farm to table, sharing recipes and inspiration with all who visit. Welcome to the show today, Jolene. Are you ready to rock abundance? Absolutely. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? I'd be happy to. I think most people who meet me assume that I grew up this way, but rather I started off with cheese-infused hot dogs and Oreo cookies. (laughs) Right. Most people are surprised to learn that the evolution came over a big period of time where I started learning about basic nutrition, and then I got my Bachelor of Science, and then my doctorate in chiropractic, which included extensive education and clinical nutrition. And that whole process led me, like many people, to understand the importance of each element of your health and how best to achieve it. A lot of people don't have a way to engage with their community and with the outside world. And I was never a sporty kid. I'm a self-proclaimed proud academic nerd and <laughs> I cool. wanted a reason to go outside and yeah. to engage with the with the world. And so I figured out that by starting with a a couple pots, it made me go outside and I started to grow things and that was exciting. And I like to say that everybody has landscape, but I occasionally eat mine. And most people have pets and I occasionally get food from my pets. 
So as that process grew, we planted a garden. And then when we moved into our current property, we had a blank slate, uh, empty half acre. And we thought about how we really wanted to structure our lives that we would be called to be active and also help others to see it in action, see health. How do you work? How do you grab something from the garden? How do you, not just talking about health in a medical complex concrete box, but actually seeing it in action and and inviting people to take home a seedling or showing them what an artichoke actually looks like on a plant for the very first time or watching that process as it grows and then seeing it flower and get back to seed. And that really sparked our our love of being able to show people uh, how this works, including our children who go outside in the backyard and come back in with green faces only to discover that they've <laughs> picked an entire bowl of fennel fronds and are munching on them like chipmunks with, in their cheeks. Nice. So now we have this wonderful opportunity to go out and be inspired every day. And it's like National Geographic in the backyard. We're watching plants grow and animals come in and inviting people to share this story with us and inspiring them to just take a little piece of it home and spread the message of creating backyard gardens and really understanding where your food comes from, engaging in nutrition, healthy food, and engaging in physical activity that is productive. So you work from home and this gives you a unique opportunity to have people actually come and see your space. How has that worked? It's been wonderful. I I don't actually like to say I work from home, but I, I have an office at my home and I have a home adjacent to my office. So <laughs> nice. my primary treatment room has 18 feet of windows that looks out onto the backyard. Wow. And it's a wonderful opportunity to create a healthy space. Well, in a healthy space that engages people in that level of learning. It's very surprising how few people really know where their food comes from. They don't know that, you know, the apricots grow on a tree or that (laughs) grapes grow on a vine Mm -hmm. or that an artichoke is a flower or, you know, what it takes. And it's very complicated to garden, but I like to say it's also very lazy. You create dirt. And you put seeds in it, and you water it, and you see what grows. Nice. And so your space is a little bit comparative to my space here at the Urban Farm, because I do tours here at the Urban Farm, which brings people and engages them. And you treat people medically, and they look out through this amazing window into your backyard, and that engages them. I'm sure there's been some things that have happened along the way that are amazing with that. Absolutely. You know, and it's It's the whole process, too. We're creating compost. We're talking about waste. We're talking about how engaging in sunshine as a form of exercise and gardening improves mental health. We talk about how you can, you know, not be afraid of trying something new or the experiment of, you know, going in the backyard and seeing what you can do with your hands. And, you know, I think 100 years ago, if people saw how we exercise today running on treadmills, I think they would 
be really jarred. I think it's great to have functional exercise, shoveling compost, planting a garden, trimming trees, you know, building things. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great way for people to see how they can find healthy living without going somewhere. It's right outside your door. And it's a rare opportunity to learn about things that we don't have a lot of access to that kind of education these days. Right. So one of the things that we've been working together actually for what, eight or 10 years, you've been getting trees from us and taking classes. Yeah. And one of the things that is my vision for Phoenix is that we create a space here in Phoenix that grows enough food to feed Phoenix. And one of the things that I had happen this spring was with your harvests and your posting to Facebook, the amount of abundance that came from your yard absolutely blew me away. And it started to feed again, that conversation of, for me of, oh my gosh, what if we could grow enough food here in Phoenix to feed Phoenix? And to a certain extent, you're doing that. So virtual high five for you on that. Tell me about that. <laughs> well, a lot of times I tell people that I'm not a commercial farmer. Mm-hmm. I grow to see what happens. I like the experiment of going from seed to seed. And I'm never sure what's going to work and what's not going to work. But I do like the fruit trees. I think they're the most wonderful part of my yard because you can watch them grow, go through the seasons. And I've had wonderful success kind of following your blueprint where I amended my soils and dug holes. My husband likes to joke that when we first planted our trees, if Google had flown over, we'd probably be on some sort of watch list for a bunch (laughs) of burial sites. But we strategically planned out what we were going to do. And the first step for us was irrigation. So when the yard was barren, we really dug trenches and planned out where we envisioned everything going and kind of did it all at once to start. And we planted most of our trees in 2014. So they're five years old. Mm -hmm. And we've been enjoying abundant harvests for about three years. My two apricot trees, last year we didn't get enough chill hours. But the year before and this year, we had about 4,000 apricots off the two trees. (laughs) And my Black Beauty plum gave us about 3,400 plums this season off the one tree. And they're really little, but it's just the experience of kind of having at certain periods of the year when you have these big harvests, we really do eat from the yard. We'll have fruit for breakfast with eggs from the chicken, and we'll have fruit popsicles, and we'll make French toast and drizzle it with fruit sauces and make fruit compotes, and we'll have very happy GI tracts. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. In your bio, you used the word full circle. Is that your term? And what does it mean to you? I really like the idea of not creating an abundance of waste. Just by having a paved street and bus access, we already are larger than our carbon footprint, Mm -hmm. but we try to recycle everything on site. So we have a compost, a tumbler composter that we keep in our chicken coop so the chickens get any bugs or anything that might come from that. And then the chicken poo goes back into the garden. Mm -hmm. We also have a mealworm farm. So 
I raise mealworms, which is really fun and really easy if you're looking to take on something. If, if 30 years ago you would tell me that I had 10,000 bugs on purpose in my house, I would have laughed <laughs> you into right? next week. But I love watching the process, similar to a butterfly. The bu- beetles lay eggs, the eggs become worms, the worms become pupa, the pupa become beetles, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. The mealworms serve as an excellent source of protein for my chickens. Their frass, which is their poop, is an excellent bioavailable fertilizer for the garden. I use my cuttings and my leftovers from the garden to become more compost, or I'll take larger things and put them down in the floor of the chicken coop and let the chickens eat the leftovers. I like to cut down my leaves and branches when I trim and just let them fall I recycle mulch through a local app where local landscapers can drop off chopped mulch and then put that back into the garden. So we mulch all of our fruit tree basins to 10 feet by 10 feet to help preserve water here in the desert and keep temperatures cooler at the root, which I think is a big part of the tree's success. Oh, yes. And we take the cores and the relatively inedible parts of certain parts of the garden, and that's what the worms use as their moisture source. So the whole process, we try to keep most things on site. Nice. I think it's great. People are really surprised to learn how little water it takes to garden in the desert when you do it with, you know, good soil, mulch, you have your everything planted appropriately. And we, we've we actually brought in more full circle elements. My patients see what we're doing and they'll bring leaves and they'll bring me. In fact, I got a shipment this morning. My patient cleaned up his yard and brought me leaves to add to my compost. Nice. And my neighbors recently got goats. And they brought me over two wheelbarrows to become fertilizer for my garden this weekend. So it's a great way for people to see what we're doing, but also feel inspired. And even if they're not contributing to that full circle cycle, they want to be part of it. And they bring things to add to our cycle. I'm finding in my world that people are engaging more and more these days. Have you found that? Well, I'm really interested in the fact that after World War II, there was a call for victory gardens. Mm -hmm. And the statistics are that basically half of the whole country had a backyard garden. And when I was a kid, I didn't know anybody basically that had a garden. My grandma kept some tomatoes and some marigolds beside her house. And, you know, that was basically all I knew of gardening. And I didn't even eat tomatoes. (laughs) So I thought, wow, you know, I felt like I was kind of in the blind when I was learning to garden. Mm -hmm. And I think by people seeing what I'm doing and other people connecting and the amazing opportunity that Facebook creates for thousands of people to have resource with other people that are also gardening to answer questions, offer encouragement, share inspiration with Abundant Harvest. It it creates a buzz that people become so excited. I mean, already this morning, somebody told me, I'm going to plant a garden, and I have a a seed chart of what you can plant every two weeks of the whole year, uh, similar to the one offered by the Maricopa County Extension Office, which Uh you can find online. And I handed that to her, 
and she's like, wow, and she's ready to go get ready for, you know, her September 1st to October 15th planting season. Wow. Nice. And I didn't realize this, but in your bio, it says you're an health educator. Tell me more about that, because I I think that's a really important piece of all of this. Well, I think a lot of people, when they go to see a physician nowadays, get a very monoscopic view of what's going on with their health. Maybe they go and they have back pain, for example, and I would say a very typical situation is that they might be prescribed some exercises or, you know, given a pain reliever or whatnot. And when a patient comes to see me, I try to provide a whole view of what's going on. How are you sitting at work? You know, what, how are you engaging with your community? What kind of activities are you doing? What's your mental health? How are you relieving your stress? How are you getting a nutritious diet? What are you doing to try to improve your health? And so we we really look at the person. What are their individual factors that affect their, their health for good and for poor? And where are the opportunities to improve? And, you know, whether it's looking out on the pool and saying, oh, you know what, I haven't been swimming this season or you know, I I really should go outside and pull my own weeds. You know, I think there's a lot of opportunity to talk with one another and spend time to really learn about how we can all find our best health. Nice. And so I don't know if you know this, but I have Lyme disease. And what I've found is that our medical community is not real knowledgeable about Lyme. So I've had to, I've been on this five-year journey of figuring it out myself. What I've discovered is that my health is my responsibility. And when I go to a physician, they can give me some information, but I have to go figure it out. Yeah, I think that the way that things have become in the healthcare system, doctors don't necessarily have as much training in the holistic viewpoint of the person. And I think the way that we work at achieving our best health is to really think about the the main four factors, our movement, our nutrition, our hydration, and our emotional wellness. And if we look at ways to address all of those things, we're looking at how do you use your space? You know, by, by creating a garden, by planting a tree, we, we really get at all of that. We work at being in the garden and, and getting nutritious food, acting in our spaces, doing in our spaces, making health a verb where every day you trim something, harvest something, you know, put the chickens to bed. And a lot of people find that they, you know, have a cup of coffee, drive to work, sit, listen to this podcast, drive back home, you know, relax for the evening. And I think it's really interesting what things help connect people. Like I I mentioned, my neighbors just got some goats. So now we want to walk over to the neighbors and visit the goats. And then (laughs) Uh the goats poop and my neighbors walk over a couple wheelbarrows. And because they're here with a couple wheelbarrows, I go out and I clean up some weeds from a bed and put that fertilizer fresh. And now I have to take advantage of it. And so I went out and I planted that bed. So 
when we kind of look at our health full circle, how do we really set up our lifestyle so that we're engaged, so that we are set up from the start to create opportunities to engage? By having my office here, I'm able to run out and go pick some garlic chives to add to some eggs for my fresh-made lunch. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice way. Not everybody can create what I have here, but maybe they just make a little pot of basil in their kitchen and learn something new. And when you harvest turnips, you start looking at all the different foods that you can make with turnips. <laughs> right? Things that you would that you would never never used before, but because you grew it, you want to make it good use of it, and you learn about Zimbabwean peanut root vegetable stew, and you have a new favorite recipe. Wow. I've not heard that one before. I'm sure it sounds good. It's delicious. Nice. So I know you. You're pretty effusive with sharing this with people, and along the way, I'm sure there's been one or two things that have happened that have kind of clued it in for you like, oh my gosh, that's exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. Have you got one of those for me? I would say before that, that the main thing is how each person has all the components together. This one brings me leaves. This one brings me poo. This one saves all their coffee grounds at home and brings them in. Mm-hmm. But I had a some blocks here on my property that were used for edging, and I took them off when I did my property, and I wanted them to go to a good home. So somebody I knew was interested in building a garden, and I said, you just take the blocks like Legos. Don't overthink it. Create a little space. Plant a garden. Here are some starts, and make it happen. And I was recently at her place, and she has a beautiful yard with a garden and and recycled an old fountain to be a multi-level garden bed and planted fruit trees and invited me for a meal. And, you know, what a great opportunity to see how that one little seed, so to Mm -hmm. speak, created this abundance just, you know, around the corner. And now we have these opportunities to engage with one another in these spaces. And there are a lot of examples like that. And I also had an opportunity to help out with the school garden. And as a result, we have a huge school garden now, thanks to some efforts of myself and some other parents. You know, the the buzz, that excitement Uh of being able to share this, not just amongst ourselves and our community, but to all the kids in the whole school. And now you have 600 kids that have that buzz that go home and say, I I harvested these beets. We harvested this lettuce. You know, we learned about how to plant tomatoes on their, how to plant tomatoes on their sides so that the roots would develop. Mm. And those kids are going to become adults that have backyard gardens and plant trees and create opportunities for them to learn about nutrition and to engage with their properties and create health over a long period. So I, I see this the door of a door from generation to generation. It goes on and on. Wow. I just want to really acknowledge you. You've done an extraordinary job of 
framing your message and growing food and sharing it. Thank you for doing that. We need we need a lot of yous around. Thank you so much. I'm really just a person. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the thing that people don't get. It's really just go out and do it. Well, that's my bit of advice for you. You act now, motivation later. It only works if you do it. So you have to just go for it. Sometimes people get so stuck in the planning and how am I going to do it and is it going to work? And if I can give any piece of advice, just go for it. Get something simple. Get a pot. Put some dirt in it. Put some seeds in it. Don't forget to water it. And watch it happen. And as it happens, the motivation grows. And you get more excited. And maybe you feel a little confident. You decide to plant a tree. And before you know it, you go from cheese-infused hot dogs to owning 10,000 beetles and chickens and eating (laughs) from your backyard and an orchard of abundant fruit tree harvests and 1,100 apples. Awesome. Good job. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you learned from it. Thanks, Greg. I I asked my daughter about this, and she gave me this quote, winners are not those who never fail, but those who never quit. And I was thinking about that. Nice. Yeah. Isn't that a great one? Yeah. And when I first started my garden, I was so gung-ho, and I made these diagrams with basically where I laid every single seed, what was going to grow here and here and here and here. And essentially nothing grew. (laughs) And I, it happens. And I asked a couple of master gardeners for their expert advice. You know, they had studied extensively. What was the magic advice? And they said, I don't know, try something different. And (laughs) so when I, When people ask me about my gardening experience, I say, I'm an expert gardener. You know what that means? It means you don't write anything down, and you throw everything in the garden, and you recognize that it's a big experiment, that the failures are part of the process, Mm -hmm. and that the real joy comes when you've planted, you know, a hundred beautiful sunflower seeds and you get this one big massive sunflower and you're excited that something grew and you marvel at how commercial farming is and and get an amazing respect for our ability to have food available for us. Nice. And what do you consider your biggest success? Well, I do believe my fruit trees have been my biggest success. I think it's amazing that I can harvest hundreds of pieces of fruit, especially peaches, fresh peaches, delicious peaches. We have found that using tool, fabric tool, has really significantly helped with that. We wrap our trees up like it's Halloween Uh and attach them with clothespins, and we harvested the first time we did it we harvested 928 peaches off of my mid pride peach tree Uh and we've continued to do that and it's been an excellent success and we get to enjoy fruit for all of may and june and into july and onward yeah and that tool that's t-u-l-l-e is for keeping the birds away yeah it's for the birds it also just it doesn't prevent them from coming per se, but it just distracts them, makes them 
kind of go the other way and, and greatly diminishes how many special friends in the garden <laughs> feel our fruit. Yeah, exactly. And what drives you? My health and my family's health absolutely drives me. I come from a family where, you know, there's always been health challenges and those everyday decisions about what to choose to eat and how to move our bodies and how to achieve our best health for ourselves and as a role model for my children is what drives me every day. I think it's amazing and everything has its purpose in the garden and in our lives and all of the things that have happened up till this point in my life have led me to this place and I'm, I'm very thankful for my wonderful life. Nice. And if you could recommend one book for our listener, what would it be and why? So it's a little unexpected perhaps, but I would recommend the children's picture book, Something from Nothing by Phoebe Gilman. It's a story of a Jewish folk tale and probably represents everything in my life where the grandpa gives his grandson a blanket and the blanket gets used and used and becomes tattered and the tailor grandfather turns it into a jacket and it gets worn and worn and tattered and so he turns it into a vest and it gets worn and worn and he turns it into a tie and it gets worn and worn and he turns it into a handkerchief and it gets worn and worn and it turns into a button and as the story goes on the little snip snip snips follow a little sub story on the bottom where the mice move in and steal the fabric and turn the little scraps from the blanket into curtains and the little scraps from the jacket into a crib and the little vest scraps into clothes for their new children and so on. And at the end of the story, the boy loses his prized button, this last remaining bit. And all that's left is the story. And even when the button's gone, the story remains and the mouse daddy takes the button and turns it into a seat and reads the story to the baby mice. <laughs> nice. And I, it just moves my heart that mm-hmm. there's always something you can do, always another way to use something that you already have in a different way and propel all of us forward with it. Awesome. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? You know, it's a funny one. When I first started gardening, I found that I had ants and I was distraught that my garden had somehow gone awry and things were ruined. And I went to one of our local gurus, Dr. Singh of Singh Farms, Mm -hmm. and I said, Dr. Singh, I have ants. And he said, wonderful, ants create tunnels for your water in the dirt and they poop and create fertilizer and they eat things that have died and turn them into usable nutrition in your garden and they signal you when your plants are in distress and I still, I currently have ant bites on my wrists but I always think of Dr. Singh when I'm in my garden and I always think of how each little piece adds that nothing's really a problem. Everything's a little bit of addition in the full circle of life. Excellent. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Jolene. I'm very thankful to be here, and I hope that your listeners have taken something away that's useful for them. I am quite sure of that. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? They can reach me on my website, which is cutiechiropractic.com, which is K-U-T-Y chiropractic.com. I'd love to hear something that they've learned and how they're using that information in their own environments. Nice. Make sure you reach out to her. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash cutie. That's K-U-T-Y. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.